I'm Kevin. And I'm Kayla. We love movies. And talking about them. This is the Martini Window. Here we have a filmmaker and set dresser, Mr. Josh Bradford. Josh, thank you for coming into the show. All right, thanks thank you. for thanks for having me. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Um, I've been uh, been working in the film industry for uh, just about twelve years now. Yeah, twelve. Um, but you know, lover of movies since as long as I can remember. Um, and in the last short little while, just started you know making my own little shorts with some friends and trying to break into that world side of things. So, yeah, and I've I've seen your short film actually. Uh, love at first tap is it? Love at first tap. Uh, just love tap. Love Tap, that's what it was. Yeah, no, which, if I'm not mistaken, is currently at the Liftoff Film Festival. Yeah, yeah, we're actually, I think, tomorrow, or tonight, would be the last, uh, the the end of the uh, public vote. And then I believe we're in the top three of our program. So if I if I understand it correctly, it's it's my first festival. Uh, if the top three of each program is then viewed by the judges of the yeah. The, the event so yeah we're doing pretty good pretty excited about it and you should be yeah that's a congratulations yeah. thank you thank you very much now uh josh here has a series of credits from behind uh behind him including such shows as the flash letter kenny and the classic film the witch by robert eggers uh i know you can't really spill the beans on any of that but is there anything uh i, I actually i always love asking you about this uh, I always love asking you about your experience working on The Witch. I know we're going to talk about monsters, but I want to actually just mention this for a sec. <laughs> I always love your stories about uh, working with Black Phillip. Yeah, there it was a lot. That was a that was a, one of my first big features. Um, so you know, at the time, I was just bright eyed and uh, bushy tailed, um, and it was a it was a hard shoot. You know, we were out in the middle of nowhere um, in a shooting outside of a small town that the town itself had only like 500 people um and you know black philip was a full-on very angry goat named charlie who just didn't really care about shooting a movie um so he he had his own schedule and his own personality um a lot of those shots of him like rearing up they're like to the the first AD who they, they created, they, they, the two of them had a very combative relationship because obviously the first AD is trying to get the shots that the director wants. And to do that, he's riling up the goat. And so anytime the goat was on set, we had to literally hide the first AD until they were ready to do the shots because otherwise the goat would just go crazy. Yes. Yes. Charlie, Charlie was definitely the star of that movie and his crazy goat shaped eyes. <laughs> okay, we are today talking about the 2010 indie classic from Gareth Edwards, Monsters, starring Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel. Uh, Josh, you wanted to talk about this movie on this episode, which I was actually really thrilled about. I haven't seen this movie in many years. It was really great being able to rediscover it. Um, what drew you to wanting to bring this up? What made you want to talk about this in this episode? Well, first of all, I just, you know don't want to talk about all the movies we normally talk about um so i figured we'd pick one that i we, you and i have never chatted about before um this is this one was a favorite this this movie came out for me like at a time where i was i had like a a kind of boring job that i did in the morning and didn't really have many other responsibilities so i was just consuming every movie that i could yeah. get my hands on yeah. and this was one that 
for me, like I, I didn't see it in theaters or anything like that. I had to like scrounge on the internet to try and get some kind of version to watch it and eventually got it on DVD. But um, yeah, it was just, I loved the, first of all, the simplicity of it. Like I watched it again last night before this and just the simplicity of it. Um, I love the, the story behind it and how it was like, six people basically just running around shooting it on a prosumer camera um like that to me like especially after working in the film industry and seeing how sometimes bogged down it can all be with the minutiae of you know uh getting the permits and getting everything in order like the the idea of just running around with a group of people in a truck and just shooting stuff it kind of it's going back to not just mariachi, but like back to uh, even Easy Rider. Uh, totally, totally, Dennis Hopper, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, just like and I, I think at some points the the dialogue wasn't the most crisp, but the idea of just like having bullet points of a story and just shooting a scene around that and then kind of putting it together and editing, it's yeah. it's. Uh, it's very bit like romantic kind of version of making a movie in my eyes. And you know, you are, you're not wrong about that. And just the idea too, that they uh, like, most, if I'm not mistaken, the cast in this movie was pretty much people they met on the street. If I'm not mistaken, like with the yeah, exception yeah. of your main key people, I mean, you mentioned the dialogue and that was something that Kayla was actually talking about when we were watching the movie. If there was anything you want to add to that. Actually. Yeah. One thing I really liked about the dialogue is it's almost, it doesn't matter what they're saying because the they visually show the emotional point of the scene later like they'll cut like the they'll cut halfway in conversations or halfway out of them and they're it's more that they're using the words to set the scene for the imagery yeah and like that makes total sense to me like there's um that uh, i mean by the way this give me spoilers abound for the show uh (laughs) i should probably point that out um there's uh that scene near the end where uh she goes up to his hotel room just to see that uh, there's another girl in the bed there, right? And what I love about that is uh, that that was a good example of you knew everything going on in that sequence was so little, there was pretty much no dialogue uh, about, there was none of this like, oh my God, I fell in love with you, and then now this, or anything like that. Like you saw completely through Samantha's, uh, through her actions and through her visuals, actually see what she's feeling that. And I felt Gareth Edwards did that so well throughout the movie. And I mean, I will also always say Gareth Edwards, like, he's a visual mastermind. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I So it doesn't surprise me that he was able to get so much across with uh, such little dialogue, which I'm quite certain was mostly improv. Yeah, yeah. From what I um, from what I understand, I, I have the DVD, and I meant to watch the, the special features along with it last night, but I just didn't have the time. But if I remember correctly, um, yeah, he... they he didn't have a full script. He just had ideas and basic like scenes of ideas. Like I need them to talk to somebody about crossing a border. So just, and like lose a ring. Right. And that, that was kind of just like one of the aspects in this scene, you've lost the ring that you, or you lost the money and now you got to barter with the ring. That's what it was. Um, And yeah. And again, like the whole, like putting, most of the the signs and all that stuff in digitally after the fact yeah. means you could just shoot literally any thing on a wall and just put it in later. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a not always the best way, but it just worked so well in this particular movie and gave it a really like interesting vibe. I felt. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's 
Sorry. No, go on, go on. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the ring. What I really liked about the scene with the ring is she's clearly wearing a very expensive necklace as well. And the first thing she takes off is her engagement ring. Yeah, totally. Like, she um, cares less about that than anything else she has on. Yeah, just wants to get rid of it as soon as possible. Um, I think the I think the other thing that was really smart about this was hiring an actual like those two were an actual couple. Um, yeah, and I think that really gave you could really feel the chemistry the whole time. Um, it was it was like palpable. Um, so I really think that that was just smart, you know, smart movie making. I actually agree with that completely. Um, I mean, it kind of reminds me of a completely different movie to think about, but it actually kind of reminds me of uh, a lot of the stuff behind the amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield one. There's right. a lot of hype with that. And, um, you know, while people always have their opinions on which Spider-Man movies are the best, one thing that I think anybody could agree with is that the, uh, the chemistry between Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield was just coming right off the screen. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. think you see that a lot of the time when you see couples like this and clearly these two, I, I don't know if they're still a thing for Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel, but, I mean, at the time that they were making this movie, yeah, it's like you're saying, you can you can feel the chemistry coming off of them like crazy the whole time. Yeah. Um, and that really that really helps aid the narrative of what we're trying to be set to believe here, right? Totally. It definitely, uh, it, it, and it helps with his whole, I think, show, don't tell, um, you know, kind of mentality with that movie. And I think most of his, in general, like, I don't think there's one of his movies that I would say kind of, beat you over the head with exposition it's much more just like here it is and an audience kind of figures it out yeah what I, I, and I, oh sorry one what what i really liked about the movie is if anyone else made a movie set in this world they would be with the military guys or the people who know what's going on and have all the weapons but i liked that it was just monsters have been in this world for so long and it felt more like a travel dock or you know like yeah it, like it was just very it was such a realistic take on how this world would be and uh, i haven't seen that in other monster movies it it was almost like an antithesis of yeah it, it's actually kind of funny too and i was saying to kayla when we were watching this it's kind of interesting because when you consider that uh everything kayla is saying about monsters is totally correct which is so funny when you, when you consider the next movie that he made was freaking godzilla <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and i i think i remember when that movie came out and people who hadn't seen monsters were were annoyed that you didn't see a lot of Godzilla fighting or yeah. you got like yeah. just glimpses of it. But having seen this movie, I that's exactly what I expected. Like I remember in that first Godzilla, there's like a scene where uh, Godzilla and the Muto are just starting to fight. And I think the like, and the doors close all the, uh, yeah. And I remember just thinking that is absolutely Gareth Edwards to a T we'll see the after effects uh, of the fight, but we're not going to see the actual fight. Yeah. I mean, Gareth Edwards has such a sense of scale. It's unbelievable. And you see that in monsters as well in a scene that I totally forgot how fantastic it was uh, when they're being guided through. You got, you got all your Sherpas, you got all your, like, I'm going to call them Sherpas. That's basically what they are. You got all your Sherpas, your armed guards, all that to take them through the infected zone. And it's like what Kale's saying, you know, any other movie, this is the military. This is what have you. What I love about it is like, it's that, classic scene where they're in the car and you've had maybe one two scenes with the uh mil with the armed guards and all of them get killed okay. yeah <laughs> and, totally. but to shoot that entire sequence from within the car as a wonder was such a smart choice and, and uh, uh yeah yeah totally oh you're about to say something well i was watching as i was watching it last night i just you know was thinking 
you, you're, you're not getting anything more than just a scary look from him, a scary look from her, and then just a POV out of a out of out of the car from inside, right? And it's great. Obviously, you have to then add in all the effects and sound effects and all that. But as far as on the day shooting, like it's it's crazy how simple it was, and it's so good. I mean, it only is that good though because Gareth Edwards had such a history in visual effects. Totally. Like he did all the effects, he did all the VFX himself in his bedroom. And I'm gonna tell you, man, when I was younger and I was a much more naive filmmaker, I saw monsters and thought, "That's it. I, anybody can do a sci-fi movie now. That's anybody can do it." He used After Effects. I have After Effects that makes us the same. Yeah, it's oh, like. Absolutely. You know what I mean? When in reality, it's like, you know, it's like, don't even say those two things in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, think around maybe a little bit later, maybe 2012, so a couple years after the movie came out, I like dabbled in Blender and learning 3D modeling and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. that alone, not even just the, the After Effects part of it, but just the, the modeling of characters and all that kind of, the monsters that they created. Yeah. Like it's crazy that he did that on his own. I think I read it was like 250 shots. Yeah, 250 shots, and it was two months before he got to any of the creature shots. That's insane. <laughs> and they look great. Like the that oh, scene yeah. at the end with the two kind of dancing. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. Like those colors just look so cool. And yeah, great. They, yeah. they also kind of remind me of like Alien, just the way that the creatures are structurally designed. Totally. Like when you when you first see them, and like, I love the I love the strange til stilted way that uh, the tentacles move. Yeah. It's almost like feels like it's slowed down animation frames to like. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm definitely with you on that. I I feel the the Geiger influence definitely can't be underscored on that. Um, the HR Geiger influence on the monsters, especially like what you're saying. Uh, I liked the design of the monsters too. In that, I liked the design that they were very um. Okay, so like 2010, after Cloverfield, there was this big trend. I don't know if anybody remembers. The Muto monster did the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was this big trend of having long front legs mm -hmm. that were going down. And like the, yeah, and then the uh, fangs up top, like the Cloverfield monster basically influenced a lot of monster design over the next 10 years. And so I thought it was really interesting at the time that this movie came out to see it more influenced by something along the lines of like War of the Worlds. Yeah. 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 They well, looked, uh, I, I... uh yeah, I think I think he originally because again I, I was looking some stuff up. I think he was looking to do a movie kind of similar vibe to um, War of the Worlds before War of the Worlds came out. The the yeah. there by uh, Spielberg, and so when he, that came out, he kind of abandoned that. And then I think he then thought of a found footage type movie, which you know Cloverfield ended up being, and so he moved on to what ended up being Monsters and. Yeah. Uh, it's just also a good, you know, good thing to remember as young filmmakers that, you know, just you see something that, oh, you thought that was an idea you might have had, you know, just keep rolling and kind of morphing into something else. I mean, that's always a big thing, right? Like everything's a remake of a remake of a remake mm -hmm. or remix of a remix of a remix. Nothing's original anymore. Nothing's original. I remember, uh, I remember back in 09, um, and which is, you know, it's kind of relevant. That's when this movie came out roughly. 10. But I remember back in 09 when Avatar came out and everybody everybody and their dog thought they had the most original opinion in the world of, oh, it's just Ferngully in space. It's just Pocahontas in space. It's, mm -hmm. you know, all that. 
And I, you know, first off, I know people to this day will say, I can't be, I can't believe you like those movies. The story is blah, blah, blah. And I always say, well, you just, you, you know, you pay to see how many Fast and the Furious movies, which I enjoy, but if we're going to talk about story, <laughs> like, yeah, the... uh, you know, those movies absolutely, like they absolutely catered, catered to uh, what a certain demographic wants, but it's like, if you talk about story, but the... well, I mean, the second Avatar was about family. So. That's true. The second Avatar was about family. <laughs> Um, but I, uh, it was the same thing as that era. So what I found is like, there was, it was of this random opinion where, uh, yeah, like around the time, man, I don't even know where I was going with this now. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was actually going with that at this moment. I had a, I had a whole train of thought and it's, it's gone away. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I want to actually do say something though about the uh, about the VFX in this because the VFX is pretty revolutionary. I think in a lot of ways, it actually also showed a lot of what people could do at that indie budget, right? Um, mm. Now, have you heard of this thing called Wonder Studio? Um, I don't believe I have. It's uh, uh it's, it's a bit of a pivot here a little, but it's sort of related. It's Ty Sheridan, the actor, created this thing called Wonder Studio, and what it's doing is it allows like uh, motion capture with no tracking dots, with nothing. And his whole mindset is he wants to take uh, blockbuster visual effects and put it in the hands of a film student. Mm, interesting, interesting. That's the whole mindset of it. I'm actually a beta tester on this, and it's a lot of fun. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been interesting. But now I look back at what Gareth Edwards was doing at that time, and at that time, it's like you're saying, you can shoot anywhere. You can add science to anything right you can add yeah. digital science anywhere i'm thinking like you know what do you think gareth edwards could have done had he been able to actually make that movie in 2023 totally. like if that movie was made now on that budget uh, i think oh yeah it would be i also think it would be just a different movie in general i don't think i think with the like you know mcu kind of big blockbuster movies is I loved that movie last night as I rewatched it. It's and it's slow. I love a slow burn movie. Alien, you know, I prefer the original Alien to Aliens. You know, I love that quiet slow burn. I, I'm actually with you on that. I love Aliens, but Alien is totally. yeah. Totally. No, it's I'm, I'm not doing my movie Alien. choice. So yeah. I, I I think if this I think if if Monsters is made today, I think yeah I think you'd probably be more with the military. I don't even think it would be a, a, a war photographer type feel to it. I think um, I think you'd see more of the monsters as well. I think there'd be less yeah. sounds. Um... I don't think you'd have a producer nowadays giving that budget and saying, wait, we're not, we're not even going to get to see the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think anyone's well, letting you get away with that now. <laughs> and even then, the budget was less than 500000 you know? Um, so it's, it's just... It, I just think movies feel different. I don't think, I think for me, like 20, maybe 08 to 2012 were like, for me, in the golden era of sci-fi and just, not even just sci-fi, but just smaller movies that yeah. now I feel like they don't, you don't get as much. Everything is just a, a Netflix original or, or whatever. And maybe Actually, that's because I'm working more and don't have the time to consume the smaller, um, the smaller indies anymore. But that's right, Josh. It's your fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just feel like yeah, they don't feel movies don't feel this way anymore to me. Uh, you might get the occasional one here or there, 
and you know what? With Gareth Edwards' new movie coming out, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll get something. In, in, I mean, in that field. In my opinion, he's uh, three for three so far. So, I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna pivot back to something you said, Josh, about how it's like a slower movie. I actually really love that about the movie because I find like even my brain now I'm seeing more like you know there's a lot of Marvel stuff in the theaters, and I'm a nerd. I grew up like watching the nineteen the nineteen ninety four X Men cartoon kind of thing. Totally. So, but and I I'm so happy that we can have this nerd stuff on the big screen because I felt like a pipe dream when I was a kid. Including a new season of that X-Men series. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it, but having so much of it has definitely changed the way I think people watch movies and even I watch movies. I have to like actively put slower movies on to mm-hmm. stop my brain like expecting everything to be like fast paced yeah. and loud and bright because like yeah. it's kind of like it's I, you know, it, it feels a little bit like an assault on your senses in a good way, but when that's all that you watch, mm-hmm. like it can just be, I sometimes like uh, I I found other movies. I'm like I didn't I don't remember it being that slow, and I'm like wait no, just the way I watch movies has changed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think a prime example of that is when uh, Blade Runner 2049 came out. Um, did people know. not watch the original Blade Runner? It wasn't an action movie. Everybody was watching this thinking it was some sort of freaking action film. Like, have you yeah. never seen the original Blade? It's a slow burn noir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, I don't understand when people kind of, like, they kind of have that retroactive kind of memory editing in their head. Um, I do want to say, though, like, you are right about these slow burn movies and kind of the assault on senses. Like, Josh, what you're referring to with Netflix, uh, Quentin Tarantino actually recently said something to this, uh, said something to this note on his podcast. Um, he was talking about how, okay, we've had three Ryan Reynolds movies in the last, like, two years of $200 million budgets uh, that he made the point. He's like, 10 years ago, if you had Gal Gadot, uh, well, you know, Gal Gadot at her level of fame nowadays. Um, if you had Gal Gadot, Dwayne Johnson, and Ryan Reynolds in a $200 million action film 10 years ago, that would have been number one at the box office for, like, a month straight. It would have been the summer movie for every high school student. It would have been, you know what I mean? And nowadays... That just happened with Red Notice, and it came and went in a weekend. Yeah, and I didn't see it. I I think I, yeah, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and if that doesn't exactly prove what we're kind of talking about, right? Exactly. Totally. And I did watch it. It was fun, but that's like, it it was a fun action movie. I think I watched the first bit of it, and I remember thinking for 200,000 or for 200 million. Uh, two hundred thousand, that'd be great. Yeah, for, for two hundred million, <laughs> I was just expecting slightly more. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I, it's not a bad thing. There's, I, the fact that we can pump, there's, you know, uh, a machine that can put movies out to people to watch like that is amazing to me. I still think it is, but I think we've we've hit a point where you know quality over quantity and quantity over quality is definitely we need to take a look at that and well i mean you're even hearing people like bob Iger say that now right because mm-hmm. he even he's going on uh he's doing the whole thing where disney's going to be focusing on quality over quantity and i mean in his opinion quality means they're focusing only on marvel and star wars but yeah. <laughs> just take that as you will but he is talking about not releasing so many marvel shows at once and so many yeah. marvel movies and i'm an admitted marvel stan i i watch all of them Right. I admittedly, I'm totally okay saying that. 
But fact matter isn't. It does get a little exhausting, especially when you are trying to follow this whole story. And there's like five shows in a year to watch, or there's three movies, guys. So we didn't see uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever until it was on Disney Plus, just because we ran out of time. They're kind of running into. I know we've pivoted from the topic of monsters, but I feel that it's all relative. But with (laughs) with the Marvel movies now, I'm running into the same problem that I ran into years ago when there were comics because I would. I was collecting like the new X-Men run and then they had this big crossover of it and I realized I had to buy five other runs of comics yeah. just to know what was going on because they had all of these teams and they didn't even like give you a thing at the beginning where they're like previously on these things this is what you need to know to read this comic they just expected you to go buy them totally. and it was like I, I don't... Yeah. yeah yeah I just I'm just kind of getting back out of the comic game uh, just because uh, of that, uh, it's just too hard to keep going with everything. Um, the pocketbook is just hurting in these days, so you know the yes. the un, the 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 wants have to have to take a little bit of a backseat for a bit. Um, and yeah, I 100 percent agree. Um, I was just gonna say everything's getting bigger, and you know we can make a franchise out of anything, including this movie, because I I never saw it, but there was a sequel. Yes, there was. Monsters Dark Continent. Gareth Edwards has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I um, I think I remember seeing a maybe a poster for it. And if I'm not mistaken, was it not more geared around military side? Uh, it is actually it is actually the sort of movie that we're that we're celebrating monsters for not being right. Um, but I will say, though, and that sounds more negative than it is. The movie itself is actually quite fun. Don't go into it expecting human relations don't go into it expecting this like kind of quiet i i quite fun like this i would say actually uh th- this would make a great double feature with a quiet place um monsters i, I yeah, could absolutely I see, that. see that but yeah monsters yeah. dark continent i did watch that movie actually i didn't see it in theaters but i did see it um at the time i was really into one of the actors uh joe dempsey mm-hmm. uh he went on to, he went on to play gendry on game of thrones right uh right, 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 right. i remembered him from yeah, I remembered him from a show called Skins back in the uh, 2000s. Um, he was good in the movie, but it's just like that. Like it was they they did make a franchise of it. And I think they even talked about an additional installment at one point, but Dark Continent, I don't think it did anything close to what they wanted. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of interesting because it kind of follows what we're talking about, too. When we brought up like, you know, uh, Red Notice, stuff like that. Like uh, one thing I want to say is that one thing I loved is that he didn't try like you're saying, he didn't try to go for things outside of his means in this movie so that we have that big big climactic action sequence of the uh of the monster eating up everybody super suspenseful but it's all from within a car and i love that like recently we went to go see uh raiders of the lost ark on its re-release right we saw raiders the other night theater and i'm just watching this movie again i've watched raiders probably a hundred times but just watching how clean the action is to follow and how the pacing it's like there's actually sequences but it doesn't have to hit you over the head every split second right yeah Uh um even some of the most uh, high high paced scenes in that movie, like uh, when the when the jeep is falling around and Indy's kind of crawling underneath the jeep and punching the guys out of the uh, uh, out of so the seat, so such a great, incredible. But when you actually watch that movie in your head, you might think of it like it's a Fast and the Furious level speed and all that. But they're yeah. driving at like maybe thirty five kilometers an hour the whole time. They're totally. it's very slow, but you're following the action and they're making sure that every movement he has has stakes. That's what you need. You don't need the assault of the senses. And monsters remembered that. Totally, Every, totally. Everything in that movie had stakes. The moment they were going into the infected zone, 
right from that get right from the get-go you knew what was at stake here the world's not going to end but they could both die we know we now know that literally all the officials are telling you you can die from this the guys were supposed to stop you from dying just fucking died from this like yeah and so the stakes are clear and present and what i love about this too is um what i love about that is the character of uh oh my god my, i'm so sorry but samantha and the other act the other character's name is andrew Calder. Yeah. right so everyone just called him calder i remember so samantha and calder like the idea of uh, Calder being this almost like um, almost like Nightcrawler esque character, you know, the idea that you know blood and guts gets me paid, and I just love that mindset. It's a perfect small motivation in a world like that, and I, I thought Scoot McNary just played that role. His perfectly. line about doctors was hilarious. Oh my god, that killed me. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. their their little their banter, right? It's just you can tell that they the chemistry was there, right? Yeah, so good, so good. I loved the scenes of them walking through like the the uh kind of party at night just having fun and yeah all yeah. that stuff yeah yeah and all that was perfect and what i loved about watching that was uh i mean i've been to mexico a, a few times and i'm watching i was like they're literally just at a mexican flea market right now yeah <laughs> like they're at a mexican flea market with no permits and oh, yeah exactly and then you get a shot of a blank wall and put in some kind of mural about a, a an, an attack an alien attack and yeah. you're in a uh post-apocalyptic not post-apocalyptic but a you know, sci-fi. I mean, personally, yeah. I would I would call it post-apocalyptic. I mean, aliens literally just attack the world. <laughs> we have an entire there's an entire section of uh, South of uh, North America that you're not supposed to walk in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, it's just again that just sim- simplicity of it, right? Like, yeah. just just go get random shots, and you know, we'll we'll figure out how to make the movie after that. After, yeah. You know? And you are right. Like, we really don't see those sorts of things anymore. I mean, I, I directed a, I have a feature film coming out in July. And uh, well, actually, when this when this episode comes out, my feature will be out, like, I think the day later. <laughs> a day later That's on July. crazy. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to do a self-plug there. Girl Gone Bad, uh, originally called Guiltless. Girl Gone Bad will be out July 11th and uh, July 17th on Amazon and Tubi. Um, so with that though, what I want to say is like our budget for that was quite minimal. I'm not going to announce our budget on, on, on recording here, but what I will say is that, um, seeing what Gareth Edwards had to do and had to do and what he actually, if I'm being hundred honest, got to do was really cool. And I, I always thought about my first feature being this thing where I thought it was going to be the, the easy rider type situation where I thought it was going to be like two or three people. We hop in a van and do something on the road. And then I gotta be honest with you. I don't think, uh, I don't think regulations allow for that nowadays. <laughs> And at the same time, um, it turned out trying to get people inside of a house alone was already hard enough. So I, I looked at these things. And I think about the logistics of how, what they do to get around this and how, how they even manage to keep their people for so long. And, you know, it's like just now knowing being through that ringer. And I mean, you, you've done a couple short films now uh, on your own, right? So you, you have an idea yourself about, like, trying to keep these things together, right? Try to keep them together. And you know what? Honestly, the hardest part I found about the whole process has been finding locations and getting access like we had in um my second short which hasn't come out yet um in the script a bookstore um and the way i had it planned would be like no more than you know two shots because it's kind of montagey so it would be like yeah just uh, a wide and a tight you know very quick there's no dialogue all the dialogue at this point in the script was um voiceover so it was like we can record everything after it's just we need two quick shots in a bookstore and we went to 
I don't know how many bookstores, bookstore, like straight up bookstores, comic book stores, um, basically anything that had an aisle of books in it. And right. they were like, yeah, no, you're, you're not, oh, you're a micro budget. No, absolutely not. We even looked into a, a public library, which has a whole thing about photography on a on public ground and it being okay as long as you're not disrupting what's happening and you're a small enough production yeah. right yeah. um so i when i emailed them about it they emailed back yes you can do it but you have to rent a liaison which is like 50 dollars an hour and you can only do it at night and the deposit on it is like you know five thousand dollars or something like and I was like, I, did you miss the part of the email where I said micro budgets, like my, mighty micro budget? Not, it's not public library. Small, I'm public. Small budget, micro budget. Um, so, so that, again, that idea of just six people with a small enough camera and not even lights, just shoot and you get what you get. That to me is, yeah, it's like, it's the romantic movie making idea. I mean, uh, what was the old Dennis Hopper uh, quote from Easy Rider? God is the world's best gaffer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. yeah. Well, it, it's also kind of like what Roger Corman does. He doesn't do the same kind of movies, but like Death Race 2050, everyone is wearing swimming goggles instead of yeah. VR goggles and like, yeah. Yeah, you just expect you, you, you it to go with those. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I also just want to take a moment to point out here. I find it so funny. So Death Race 2050 is one of Kayla's favorite movies. <laughs> and uh, what I love is that she manages to throw this thing into conversations so often. <laughs> and I love that she found a way to it's introduce universal. this. I love how you found a way to introduce the sequel to Death Race 2000 uh, into a conversation about monsters. But I I, I condone what you just did. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, it's a fun movie. I will say that. Yeah. Death Race 2050. We're, we're... I could go on about it forever, so I'm not going to talk more about <laughs> it. It'll be yeah, a separate yeah. thing where we just talk about, like... I can't stress this enough, everybody. Anybody listening to this, this isn't the Jason Statham death race. This is not Death Race 2000 from the 70s. This is the Roger Corman-produced sequel to Death Race 2000 that came out in 2015. <laughs> You've got two women discussing men at a place called Bestel's Bar. Well, literally failing the... The Bestel test. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Um, yeah, and so... So exactly what you're saying, though, like it, it's it's a lot harder, I think, than people realize when they think about how these people went out and they made, you know, uh, I've mentioned a few times that they made Easy Rider. They made El Mariachi. Uh, you know, I got Rebel Without a Crew right next to my desk here from uh, from Robert Rodriguez. I've read it, you know, three, four times. But the fact of the matter is to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's actually gone out and done that on the road, at least when, you know, you made your feature or not, you made your shorts and I made my feature. We have controllable uh environments you know oh, what i mean like controlled oh. instances but if we're just going to take like six people hey you guys want to head over to mexico for like two months and shoot a bunch of stuff and maybe have a movie at the end yeah. you know it's you you got to really question how but i mean with a half a million dollar budget they were certainly paid so. exactly and they definitely had uh because i looked it up i think they shot over three weeks but they went to like four oh my god i was way off my estimate then <laughs> Yeah, they went to four or five different countries. So they definitely had like a crew, you know, a uh, uh, production crew getting them where they needed to go. But the actual on the ground shooting crew was just six people. But okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the some some uh, help that we don't get. 
Yeah, Belize, Mexico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, the United States over three weeks. Yeah, that's that's an insane schedule. I'm talking about six day weeks right now on a three week schedule. That's four or five different countries in the same amount of time. That's that's a bananas. And by the end of it, they had over 100 hours of footage and four hour first cut (laughs) to a 90 minute, which is insane. I'd love to see that four hour, maybe not the full four hour, but I was going to say is it it, historically when does a four hour cut improve something? Yeah, that's true. But like, actually, I'll, 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 a two-hour cut that would be cool. Yeah, I'll argue. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League did improve. I'm gonna keep my voice <laughs> to myself on that one. <laughs> I would say I will say that the you know three-hour plus uh, extended editions of Lord of the Rings those are the preferred versions of for my watching. So longer yeah. sometimes is better. That, that's fair. No, I mean the the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. I think make that argument absolutely. Well. Yeah, I think that, that. Oh, actually, you know what? Um, not four hours, but uh, Once Upon a Time in America. The uh, the extended cut of that actually makes it a coherent movie. Right. Not just yeah. coherent. It goes from being you know it goes from being uh, the laughing stock of Sergio Leone's career to being arguably his masterpiece. And again, not a not a long cut, but the um, directors of like couple different ridley scott movies are all better uh than the theatrical cuts so i mean i I don't think anyone ever argues ridley scott seems to be one of the main people who knows what's up with director's cuts yeah i love his director's cuts kingdom of heaven is so good kingdom of heaven's a remarkable one too because that greatly changes how that movie comes across it's a completely different movie like it's entirely different it's an entirely different movie and people have argued too that goes from being one of his weakest films to potentially being one of his best all after a cut and, like, uh, people argue about um, the director's cut of Alien. Uh, that's one of the... I mean, we talked about Alien earlier. That maybe... You know, I, I prefer the original for Alien, but for the most part, though, Ridley Scott's uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, like, for I, director's cuts. I mean, I, I, I think both of those are, are fine. I, I'm good with either. Because the director's cut of that one really just has a couple of longer shots, really. That's, yeah, if I'm yeah. being... If I'm right, there's not really, like, full scenes. It's just a couple of longer... Yeah. More, you know, get me more uh, extended dread and uh, drawn out uh, slowness. You know, my favorite. And don't get me even started on uh, the final cut of Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a uh, night and day difference from the theatrical cut. One thing I was talking to Gail is that this movie came out in 2010, and I find, considering the budget is 500k, and this is also where I go back to saying, like, uh, you know, him, him being a VFX artist for so long was a very clearly a reason why this is able to work the way it did. He. Uh, it's it's like movie came out 13 years ago now and i think you're just now starting to see the cracks in the cgi which is oh, astonishing absolutely. considering the budget and considering it's a one man vfx yeah, last just night was now. The, yeah last night was the first time i think i've watched it in probably 8 or 9 years maybe maybe not since it right came out i've definitely seen it since but yeah i remember watching it at the time and being like that is amazing and last night I was like, oh, yeah, OK, it, it's not amazing, but it's amazing for what he what he was and one dude in his bedroom. It's astounding. I would argue that quality in 2010 computing power is amazing. Oh, it, at the time, it was absolutely. Again, it blew me away. I just remember thinking one dude did this alone. Uh, how 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 am I not doing that? You know, what am I doing? wrong? <laughs> and he really like with the way it was with the way it was made he really populated the world with the vfx like one thing i really loved about the movie was like even like the helicopter that was crashed on the side of the road 
I just there's he adds so many things and like um so much destruction of the to really feel like it's a lived in world where yeah. monsters have already been here. Yeah. I I am an absolute sucker for world building. Um even if a movie is not original or good, if it's got even half decent world building, I'm almost always sucked into it. I mean, you're a dungeon master. It makes sense. Yeah, uh, exactly. A little bit of lore or history about what's going on in the past. And I'm, ooh, that's my bread and butter. Um, so, and I love that. I love, like, I love the little um, new segments. And, like, at one point you see, like, a, ch- a children's um, educational video on, like, putting on the masks when the, the aliens are near. Yeah. Uh, like, ju- just yeah, like, the world building just is what you know tickles my fancy i love it yeah the gas masks uh all over the place it, it's a little interesting scene that post pandemic <laughs> also the wall the wall was pretty funny i remember last night i had to convince my girlfriend to watch it with me and i it, it was like you know they build a wall to keep the aliens there and she's like did they was this, did this movie come out in 2016 like what the hell um <laughs> so it, yeah there were definitely some weird uh, like future predictions almost, or not future predictions, but just creepy coincidences, maybe. Well, I mean, I feel like the wall thing, though, like the wall's there, but I mean, a wall in general has been a symbolism for divide forever, right down to like Pink Floyd. Totally. Uh, you know, it not even just that, going back to the days of King Kong, like it's, it, you know, the big reveal, the reveal of something bigger, the last barrier that's always been, I think, in my mind, I, the wall's been representative of that as a narrative piece or. Uh, literature piece for a really long time. I mean, Kayla, you read way more books than I do. I, I'm assuming that you probably kind of know what I'm talking about here. I mean, even like look at history. There's like the Berlin Wall, like and it's always representative it's, of like big, yeah, yeah. Well, like even even Game of Thrones, they have like the wall in in that yeah. to stop the Ice Walkers from getting in. Yeah, I mean, I did feel that. Um, obviously, the 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 comparison with the uh the border wall thing is obviously yeah. the most apt comparison. But I mean, I, I also don't know what it is, though, because in the case of monsters, they're literally trying to keep out actual, like, vicious, mad-hungry things, like things that are going to eat you. You could argue, though, that, you know, there are some people in the States that view them that way. So, yeah, yeah. That, wrongfully, a, they wrongfully view them that way. Totally, no, absolutely. They're, you can't deny, similar to, I think, uh, like, District 9, right? There's that undertone of yes this we're, t- we're, we're talking about aliens but we're talking about real life district nine is a very different comparison to monster so in district nine the the prawns were the ones being subjugated sure sure but I, again i think that whole like you know the whole wall being built to keep yeah. out the things that they don't want in the smuggling of people across the border you know the the, the, the similarities are definitely there i don't think it's the point of the movie by any means to uh shed a light on that kind of thing no no but i think it definitely used you know i think that's the best part about sci-fi right is you take uh, a future kind of technology or aspect or whatever and use it to shine a light on things that are going on currently yeah i mean i'm a i'm a big star trek fan personally and uh one show that kale and i really enjoy is star trek strange new worlds Uh, so good so good, but it makes me think of that first episode, actually, the show where he's uh, where he starts explaining how um, I think they're using footage from the freaking Capitol riot for it, right. 
but it's like uh he was explaining how that how that uh divide that civil disrest turned into uh the second civil war which then became the eugenics war then world war three and it's like mm-hmm. And just actually hear him describe that and how that uh, goes to be. Plus a really nice eugenics war uh, name drop there when he was doing it. But you start to see that, and it's exactly that. They're using actual civil unrest that's existing today in today's society without using actual footage of it, no less, to try to paint the plot of how this escalates into something that we've seen too many times in history. And it's yeah. only going to get worse each time. That's, and I, I, I love that about sci-fi, and I love what... Uh, and you see a lot of this sort of commentary, I find, in Gareth Edwards' movie here, Monsters. Um, you know, the idea alone that the world failed at trying to help the people in this world where they've had this completely unknown invader, I'm going to call it, with uh, with the uh, um, with the aliens there. And with characters like uh, with characters like Calder, it's like, yeah, I love the fact I mentioned it earlier. I love the fact that we have these like kind of greasy nightcrawlers in. Uh, and by the way, I'm using if anybody's listening, I'm using the term nightcrawler in reference to the incredible Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Uh but yeah, you're seeing the, you know, these kind of greasy nightcrawlers, and even the situation with uh, Samantha there. Like, I love, I love how the storyline here is just such a simple. You need to get her from point A to point B, and it is a process of seeing this. You're seeing all of the destruction and all of the kind of ways society has collapsed, and how the government's failed, and how they can take five grand for your ticket one day, and the next day it's like it never happened. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like. And they're doing this in the middle of like a global catastrophe. And I, I love the commentary that comes with that. And it was so much nicer than just seeing another movie, which not that I'm opposed to these, but just seeing another movie of, you know, a monster, you know, wreaking havoc, which of totally. course I'm always down for. I'm writing a movie like that right now. <laughs> this, this is the movie. This movie takes place after that. This is yeah. the, the aliens are here. Everybody knows about them. It's it's common knowledge, you know. They're making you know children's uh, doc, or, uh, educational videos about them. It's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's not about the monster; it's about the people around the monster. And I mean, of course, the name of the movie is Monsters, and uh, you you always you almost expect it's going to have this whole like humans are the real monsters kind of mindset to it, which I'm actually glad they didn't go with that. Yes, no. <laughs> the, the closest I'd say they got to that was, yeah, like him maybe taking the photo of, of the the dead girl and uh, looking for catastrophe, but it, I, I agree. It, it didn't lean into that at, at all. Yeah. And yeah, sorry, Kaylee said some. So one thing that I found actually like made me more fearful and not in a way of like oh i'm scared that this character's life is in immediate danger is the fact that they were having like visa troubles and stuff like that like it's a very human experience and and it's again they're not the military guys they can't just travel somewhere and run away from it like they're gonna get stopped at the border she doesn't have her passport anymore yeah Yeah. and like it's like yeah, I, I was going to say, I love the, like, progression of them traveling, too, where it's like they travel with the, the guy in the truck for a little bit, and that's nice. And then they get on a boat, and that's kind of sketchy. And then they get with the guys with the guns, and then it's real sketchy, you know? And then that progression of, like, we're going someplace not fun. Yeah. 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 Also, why is there even an industry for this? It seems like even the people who help you cross the infected lands don't even want to be doing this job. Like... Why do we not just ban people from crossing these lands? <laughs> well, I think they, I think that's, that's the, I, at least I got from that, that, that they're trying. That's the whole point. But, you know, those guys were um, backdoor kind of 
sketchy oh, people. Yeah. Oh. Like, what uh, what's the uh, coyotes, I think is the word for people who get people across borders. Um, coyotes. Is that what they're called, eh? I believe so. Um, I don't know in, in this world they're ever referred to that, but yeah, I, I got that kind of feel of like we're doing illegal stuff to get you across the border. But they're getting, right, yeah, they don't care. yeah, because it was like ten thousand dollars. A part of it was like, uh, yeah, because they're saying part of it's like bribing officials and stuff like that, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. I also, I, I kind of love I. Something about this movie I just really love is how the linchpin to the whole thing about about why they had to go to the infected lands and everything like that was simply because uh, Calder got laid. Yeah. And got if robbed. He if he didn't get laid, if he didn't sleep with that woman, nothing would have happened for the rest of the movie. They would have been totally fine. And uh, a very organic um, uh, bump in the road. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I like that. It's simple. It, you can see it happening to almost anybody in that kind of situation. You, you get drunk, you hook up with some random person, and you come back and your stuff's stolen. You know? Yeah. Actually, for uh, the longest time in the movie, um, Kale and I were under the impression that he didn't have a place to stay whatsoever. Because it was a constant, like, oh, yeah, my the heater's broken in my room. And then he falls asleep right. in the room. Or it's like, oh, my room's not ready, so he falls asleep in the bed. And we just kind of assumed... Until that moment, we just kind of assumed that he didn't have a place to stay, that he was kind of like just avoiding that fact or something. Right. Yeah, well, there's that. I think, yeah, I think his character at that point had been was just floating from like crap shithole hotel to shithole hotel. Yeah. So when he saw that like her room was obviously nicer and you could tell that they had a connection, he could tell that there was yeah. a connection. Uh, wow. You know, tried to swing his shot and miss. And uh, no, she got rid of her uh, engagement ring. I mean, if he just. You know, you wait a little eventually, longer. Eventually, obviously, uh, I think, yeah, he, they had the connection. Obviously, at the end, they kissed. But at that point in the movie, when he, when they were partying and drinking and he tried to stay in her room, I think she was just like, no, we're friends. It's all good. She was interested, I think. that You could tell she was interested because the next morning she asked him out for coffee and then it's upset when she sees him with the other woman. Well, it's so funny, too, because I remember that scene came up. The first thing I said is, like, you're supposed to feel sympathetic for her at the moment. And I actually looked at Kayla, and I was like, he has absolutely nothing to be ashamed about here. It's like, he went out, he tried to go after her, she, uh, you know, she's engaged, and she turned it down. He did not persist. I would argue, other than the fact that they both could tell that there was a connection, and she was not doing it because she was engaged and all this kind of stuff, yeah. despite, despite knowing... That there was like, like that whole again that whole scene in the flea market like the the chemistry off those two is just radiating uh yeah i love that I, again i think those scenes are great i love the scene how it like they progress into that kind of um uh memorial uh which was obviously just a memorial that they then they can then twist to make it into a memorial about uh aliens um so it's just very clever, you know, just clever yeah. filmmaking and what you shoot. And then with the context of what you've already shot, what it puts into perspective, you know, it's it's just so smart. So smart. I'm, trying think, I'm trying to think about what other movies since then have kind of come closest because you are right. Like, you don't see movies like this anymore. No, that are the last one I could think of that kind of runs that way is Tangerine. I was just thinking that the, that because that one was the the script where they got it like as it was going right yeah that's the one yeah. thing yes yeah i would agree that was the one all, thing all shot on the iphone yeah yeah they did it it was 
Fantastic movie, by the way. I love it. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, but there was a TV show on Amazon. I can't remember what it was called. I didn't watch it. We meant to watch it. We just never got around to it. But um, James James McAvoy's in it. And I believe it's similar where I believe the story is his daughter has been kidnapped or is missing or something. And basically, he's just put in a situation and he reacts naturally to it. Like, you know, I, I don't know if this happens in the show because I haven't seen it. But I assume what would happen is like, OK, you go in this room with a bunch of police detectives and we'll they'll just set a scene. And then another detective walks in 10 minutes in and tells you that they found the body of your daughter and you just react to that. You know, I think that's kind of how that show went. Um, so I, I'd be interested to check that out, see if it's got a similar kind of vibe to it. Like the way it's shot and all that. Yeah, yeah. And just that kind of free, almost improv kind of feel to it that you, I think you could feel a lot in the dialogue in this sometimes, that it was improv and not all the, all, not all the actors were acting. You kind of got, you know, it's so funny, actually, just thinking about this in this conversation, you kind of got me wanting to find some more of these sorts of movies. Like, I might rewatch, uh, might rewatch Easy Rider sometime soon, but the other one that um, makes me think of is, uh, I don't know if you ever saw this, a 2011 Michael Sarah movie called, uh, 2013, I want to say, Michael Sarah movie called uh, Crystal Fairy and the Magic Cactus. Uh, oh, it was, uh, check it out, that's a great movie. It's like, um, it was after the kind of youth and revolt Scott Pilgrim era of uh, Michael right. Sarah, he was trying to reinvent himself afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, he actually did, he did some fascinating work in that time that not enough people have seen. But uh, but this one though, Crystal Fairy and the and the Magic Cactus, very similar in that sense. A bunch of people in a car, they shot it across a desert in Nevada. Um, yeah, excellent, excellent movie. I highly recommend it. Uh, but if we're talking about movies that kind of did exactly that, the Easy Rider, the Monsters style, just pack it all in, go shoot. Mm-hmm. That's another one to think about. But I mean, you know, the fact that the only other movie I think I can really think of right now is Tangerine is kind of telling, and that's just in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones, too. I feel like I feel like if you'd asked me this question back in 2010 when Monster came out, I could give you, like, a list of them. And now I'm like, I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. Do you know how many movies have come out since then? Yeah, any any movies? I don't think any movies have come out since 2010. Uh, not at all, actually. No, not any. Um, but just but it's, it's it's hard, right? Because uh, you know, most movies aren't made that way. That's why. And I mean, the thing is too is that there probably are plenty of these movies. But you are right. Like nowadays, like how I'll bet you anything. If you go to YouTube right now, you could probably find full feature length movies that were made for 300 bucks. In the back of your car, right? And what? In, yeah. So they are half the quality. I would say this has a quality though that those movies don't, obviously, because they got you know it. We're yes. Uh, today, right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What I'm also saying though is that I, I'm kind of curious if the uh, if the virtual nature of all the streaming nature of things like YouTube. You know, I love YouTube. YouTube's great, but when something's called the YouTube original or it's direct to YouTube, that comes with a stigma. Totally. Right. Absolutely. And. Absolutely, because anybody can upload to YouTube, which is great. That's great for artists. But if we're talking about movies that are going to have that sort of impact, it doesn't really have the same, which, you know, yeah, there might be a bunch of road trip type movies or movies that are made for with nothing but passion and all that, which is great. But I, you know, I'm curious now if they're even going to have the same effect that Monsters uh, had as well, like you're saying, because Monsters, when that movie came out, you can only the highest. uh, I think when that movie came out, YouTube only allowed up to like 20 minute videos or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, his new movie, though, The Creator, looks fantastic. It does. I've only actually seen one trailer for it, and it's been, I only watched it once. So I have very limited um, mm. knowledge about it, and I'm actually really excited for that. What yeah. I saw looked amazing. Um, so I'm super excited for that one. All right. Well, Josh, uh, anything you'd like to add before we uh, start to wrap things up here? Um, thanks for having me. I guess I'll do a little bit of a self plug myself. Uh, we're, uh, we're, uh, hyphen it productions, um, on Vimeo or Instagram, hyphen it underscore productions on Instagram. Um, don't have a lot posted yet because we're still just baby fresh and new, but you know, check us out. Well, we'll put our, we'll put a link. Yeah. We'll spot you the link on our awesome. video on podcast. No problem. We are going to be, uh, if you are listening to this on Spotify, YouTube, Deezer, uh, whatever our other avenues are right now, in our description, please look at, please look if you can. We have Blu-rays, uh, links to Blu-rays for Monsters, and we got a link to Josh Bradford's Hyphen Productions. Josh, thank you for coming to the show. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. All right. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.